Hey everyone, and thank you for checking out this message today. I'm Reed Robinette, I'm the senior pastor at Crossroads Church in Maryland, and we hope this message encourages you and challenges you. We believe that everybody has a next step of faith to take, and I hope this message helps you take yours. Enjoy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Let's keep the main thing as the main thing. One name, one life, one church, one more. Good morning again, everyone, and welcome again to Crossroads. I'm Reed. If we haven't met, a special welcome to you. If you're joining us online, welcome to you. We are so thrilled that you have picked this Sunday uh, to be a part of our worship here. And and I have to just pause and say there are some Sundays where I, I think it is amazing how many gifted people we have just in our little expression of the church here. And, and today was just one of those where I, I sat here thinking, um, you know, we just got to experience this tremendous uh, worship and all the gifts that were on stage. And, and then I started thinking, we're doing that in two other places at the same time. And I wonder, you know, how that sounded, you know, Karen saying it and Jim Cabral and, and all of our other folks. So I just am grateful to be a part of a team that has so many gifted people. It makes me thankful to God uh, that we get to, uh, to experience that every week. Um, we're starting uh, back into the one journey, and really the truth is, um, I confess this, it'll make me feel better, um, we never stopped. But we thought, you know, having a, a series that went for like three and a half months, you'd get tired, and so we, we tried to break it up a little bit. But really, it's been one long expedition on this journey. And, and I just want to give you an opportunity, if you have not yet decided, I'm going to go on the journey. I'm going to experience it. Today's your on-ramp. Because the point of this whole thing is not to learn about the journey, is not to be able to answer questions about it, is to go on the journey. Do you know, uh, you ever have those times in your life where you were going back and forth on whether to do something or not do something, go on a trip, not go on a trip, whatever the case might be. And then you made the decision and, and afterwards you thought, oh my goodness, I am so glad. I had no idea what I would have missed out on if I didn't make the decision to go on this experience. Don't miss this. This is the one journey not to miss. So, um, what is it? Good question. It, it is an all-church discipleship experience where we are, after 20 years of being a church, reflecting on all that God's done in the last 20 years, way more than any of us could have asked or even imagined. Regardless of where you got on board in those 20 years, you're a part of what God's doing now. And so we want to renew our vision of who we are and what's important. And then we want to respond together. 
And we want to all pull in the same direction, right? So that's why it's one journey. It's not a hundred journeys because it's one direction. But we didn't want to call it one direction because then you think about Harry Styles and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So we call it one journey. But you, the, the point is to go on it and to experience it. And, and let me give you one last little tip. This is not it. <laughs> this is not the journey. This is not the experience. This is just preparation and invitation to go on and to experience the journey. So I hope you got one of these, a guidebook. You can pick one up on the way out. It'll give you opportunities to ask questions and write down thoughts and journal and read other scriptures and think about where God is taking us as a church together. So we, we called it the one journey because it was built around all of these ones. The first one was one name, and that name was? Jesus. Good. Not, not a trick question. And yeah. Jesus, uh, the one name, the church belongs to him. He changes one life. Whose? Yours. Yeah. And that's the bottom line of who we are. One name changing one life. And so our first initiative, the first action step that we've called everybody who's on the journey to take together is to tell your story, to tell how has the one name, Jesus, changed your one life. There's probably lots of ways, but would you tell the story about how Jesus has done that for you? And many of you have. Many of you are still contemplating, and we're going to continue to give you opportunities to do that because we're so convinced that this gets our head right about who we are. We're just a bunch of people who have had our lives changed by Jesus. Not much more. And the fact that we can share that story could change someone else's life, could change the world. Um, so uh, let me share one with you. Now, this is my good friend, our, our executive director of missions here, Tim Adams. This is the way Tim told his story this week. I was diagnosed with cancer uh, right before COVID hit and went in for surgery on April, 20, uh, April 2nd uh, of 2020. And this was right when, uh, you know, hospitals were just starting to hit COVID. I was being treated at Hopkins. Katie can't come into the hospital. You know, just drop me off at the front door. Dark. I go. I go into this hospital, and um, me in order. I, I try to think about it like, okay, this is me and you, Lord. I remember the registrar. There was just one light bulb. She just had a lamp on. You know, this was early, dark, and you know, she registered me, and um, she, uh, you know, sent me down the hall. Said, go down the hall to the waiting room, and they will be there to come to get you shortly. You know, normally during the day, there'd be a beautiful sun coming through, but I'm sitting there in the dark and uh, they hadn't turned the lights on. And I don't know if it was because of uh, the bare bones staff that just hadn't gotten around to that side of the building that morning. I found myself sitting in the dark all by myself, you know, okay, Jesus, you know, let's do this adventure. But. There's obviously the trepidation of, you know, that you have um, a serious medical condition um, and that uh, there was a long road ahead. And I'm like, Lord, are you with me? 
we going to do this? And I'm sitting there in the dark and my phone rings and I answer the phone and it's my best friend. There's about 10 after six in the morning. His name's Kevin. He says, are you ready? I said, ready as I'll ever be. And he said, you're gonna be all right, man. He goes, I love you, bro. I said, I love you too. We hung up. And it was then that I knew that Jesus was with me. And I said, okay, let's go do this thing. I've told people over and over and over again, over 26 years of ministry, God has not forgotten you. He will never forget you. He has a plan for your life. He cares for you. And I've spent most of my ministry working in some really dark places with people who are lost. And um, to experience that personally again, uh, to know, Tim, I will never leave you or forsake you. It, um, it grows me in my own ministry also to move forward, to be able to tell people. I can tell them that with confidence because I've experienced it in my own life. Is that powerful? Yeah. Why? Because it's a story. It's Tim's story. He's got lots of those, by the way. Um, you wouldn't believe all the ways that Jesus has shown up in his life. But what we want to do is release your story because you have a story. And we want, if you want us to make a fancy video like that of your story, we'll do it. No kidding, for free. You could just sign up on the tellmystory.one uh, website. We'll put you in the queue and we'll, we'll make that story. I, I bet you some of you will take us up on that and you should. Others of you are thinking, oh my word, I know someone who needs to see this. Hmm? And so we want to make them available to you. And so I just checked before we walked up on stage. If you go to the front page of our website, uh, one of the tabs at the top, if you're on a, a laptop, uh, will say the one journey. And it's where we're going to catalog all of the stories that we've been given permission to share. Even the ones that are not on social media uh, that people have said you could share. If you would like for us to be able to share your story, you can, and you haven't posted it anywhere, or even if you have, um, you can send them to us at tellmystory@crossroads140.com. Just email it uh, to us. That's the first initiative of the one journey is to tell our story because that's the basis of who we are. We're a bunch of people who have had our lives changed by Jesus in some way. And he's still doing it. And so we're still going to continue to tell our story. So when you get one name that changes one life and you get a bunch of us together, you have a mess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I thought of other things to fill in the blank there. You have a whole lot of different opinions. Are you aware of that? About what? About everything. <laughs> You name it, we have different opinions about the color of the carpet and the length of the service and the volume of the sound and the uh, you know, all of that. We have all kinds of... So, so I want to, for the time that we have left today, convince you of the power of one church. One church. Now, if you are um, being somewhat intellectually honest, you're going to smirk at me a little bit right now. 
And I can't see you at home if you're smirking, but I can see you here in the room and you should be smirking. Why? Because is anything more ridiculous to assert than that there's one church? <laughs> I mean, good grief, Reed. You know, at least make it sound a little bit better because we all know that there's not just one church. In fact, I looked this up and just in our country, in the United States alone, in Christian churches, there are 380,000 of them. Yeah, we should be having a bigger impact. That's my little thing there. But... Um, it's certainly not one, and you're like, well, you know, some of them are like linked together. You're, that's true. But there are, just in our country, 200 different denominations of churches. <laughs> yeah, and we're non-denominational, so go figure that one out. And if you go the, even to the world, in the, I, I couldn't believe this number. There are 45,000 different denominations of Christian churches in the world. And so I'm going to stand up here and talk to you about one church. You should smirk back at me. <laughs> and I get it. But it wasn't always that way. The church was not always as divided and ununified as it appears to be in our day. You have to go back a while. But if you go back to the idea of the church at its very inception, Jesus had something very particular in mind. He had a number in mind, and it was not 380,000 or 45,000 or even 200. It was one. Let me show you. This is from Matthew 16. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I tell you that you are Peter, one life, one life. His life was changed because his name before that was Simon. And so now he met Jesus. And he got a name change. Not every one of you gets a name change, but you know, that's just represents Jesus changes you. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Um, not a trick question. How many churches um, does Jesus seem to have in mind here? One. The one that belongs to whom? Him. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess he could think, well, there's maybe could be other ones that belong to other people. But as far as the thing that I'm actually launching today, there's going to be one. And it belongs to me. So how do we get, how do we get from here to where we are and where the church, and I say one church, and you smirk at me. Um, we've lost the power and maybe the meaning behind this idea of one church. So I want to get it back. I, I, I want us, as a congregation at least, to, to get that back, the power and the meaning of the one church that Jesus meant to start. So we're going to go back to the book of Colossians today. Um, we, this whole journey, the one journey is going to be the backdrop is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And so I'm going to read you uh, the, the scripture that was read uh, during our, our worship set in, in other languages. I'm going to read it mostly in English, I believe. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now, Paul writing. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And if I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. There it is. 
I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is God's word. And and I want to, this morning, um, unpack for you um, the the power and the meaning of a couple of different components to what we just read. The the meaning and the, I went back and forth whether I wanted you to know the meaning or the power. And I thought, well, but you can't know the power if you don't know the meaning. But if you know the meaning, you might not know the power. So I just kept it both. The meaning and the power of the word, the one, the mystery, and the work. And, and all of them carry the weight of being able to walk out of here this morning with a little bit better understanding of the power of one church and, and the possibility of one church, the reality of one church. Okay, so let's look at them. First, the word. And, and that starts in, in verse 24 here, where we actually get the word church that's translated church for the sake of his body, which is the church. looks pretty straightforward to you. If you go back to the Greek word, it's the word ekklesia, which was not a religious word. Not at all. It, It was in the first century used for any group of people that were called out and, and they were gathered for a single purpose. Gathering of people called to a common purpose. Think in, in our day, um, any group of people that has the same cause, that, that they are um, uniting, they, they are gathering under this mantle of, of, of we want this, whether it's in you know, your uh, neighborhood association, you got an ecclesia of people who don't want people parking boats, you know, in the cul-de-sac. And uh, so they, you know, they put signs up and, and, and they do that. They're an ecclesia. Or maybe, you know, on a macro level, think about uh, in our country's history, the, the civil rights movement. That was an ecclesia. That was a group of people who had, had, had a single purpose. And, and that's what Jesus, that's the word that Jesus uses and that Paul picks up here and the New Testament uses for church. It's an ecclesia. It's a movement. Maybe you remember the Blues Brothers when they said, I'm on a mission from God. They were really biblically accurate about what's going on here. It's a group of people with a common purpose. That's what Jesus started. Um, And then what happened was a couple of hundred years later, that Greek word ecclesia got translated in German to the word kirke that we get our word church from. Now, kirke is not a bad word. It simply means the house of God. But can you understand what happened when people stopped thinking this and they started thinking this? All sorts of things went off the rails. When you start calling the church the house of God, it therefore becomes something you can go to. You can't go to this. 
You can't go to the movement. <laughs> or, or, did you go? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I go a lot. I, I'm, yes, I'm part of the don't park your boat in the cul-de-sac people. <laughs> but yeah, and, and so all of a sudden, uh, and would this have happened if this translation, if this linguistic thing, I don't know. But I do know it happened. And I do know that we still feel the effects of it. That we miss the power and the meaning of the actual word that we're supposed to represent. What are we doing here? We're a church. What does that mean? We don't know. <laughs> it, here it is. A, at least as long as I have energy and ha- have any say around here, I'm going to continue to beat this drum. That Crossroads is a this and not a this. Amen. Uh, you know, look, we have buildings that they're helpful on some level. Uh, and sometimes we have better ones, and sometimes we have not as good a ones. I don't know. And, um, but that's, that's not it. Who we are is a people called to a purpose. And there's only one of those. Can you see how I, the next thing I want you to see is the power and the meaning of the, the number, one. Well, if this is the meaning of church, one church makes no sense at all. <laughs> Clearly, there's no building big enough where we can all meet. And we can't even meet in one place in Carroll County <laughs> at one time. This makes no sense uh, if this is the definition. The number one makes no sense if this is the right definition. But if this is the right definition, then it's the only number that makes any sense. Can you see why? Because how many purposes? One. Yeah, it's the only number that makes any sense, is that we are this, and our purpose is derived from the one that we follow and whose name we call on. And there's only one of those. So that's one church. Okay, let's keep going. Let me make sure you also see not only the power and the meaning of that word church, but the power and the meaning of that number one. Now, I, there's another place in the scripture um, a little bit later. I think it's verse 28 where the actual word one is there. And I thought about being cute and putting that up there. But that's really one name. This is where I get the one church idea from. It's in verse 25 when we read these words. I have become its, the church's, servant. And, and I want you to remember, who's writing this? It's the apostle Paul. If you uh, have been around for a little while, we've said some things about who he is. Um, He is one of the most influential people in the last 2,000 years, and that's according to secular culture. He's a big deal. He would have rightly been credited with being the father of, the starter of, the initiator of most of the expressions of the church in the first 100 years of the church. He went around and told people his story. And, and these little groups sprung up all over the Mediterranean basin. He started them in many ways. He wrote half the New Testament. And, and so when he says, um, and to present to you the word of God in its fullness, he was about to write what we consider half of this. <laughs> the word of God were the words of Paul. And he's a big deal. If there's anyone who could have said, I'm the one who started this gig, it would be the Apostle Paul. And yet, how does he identify himself? 
I've become its servant. Ha! I have become its servant. What's he saying? Don't miss this. He's saying the church is the headline. I'm the footnote. There's only one headline. There's a lot of footnotes. <laughs> a lot of footnotes. The church is the headline. And there, there's only one headline. There's a lot of footnotes. So, so even around here, um, we're one church, we say. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, we're, we're trying to say we don't all meet at the same place on Sunday mornings, but we're still um, one church. I'd like to take it a little bit farther than that. I'd like to say that is, there's no other headline here. We're, we're all footnotes. We're all servants of this purpose that we've been called to. This is not my church. This is not Kevin's church. This isn't that, that does not, we're footnotes. Lots of footnotes. There'll be, there'll be lots more footnotes after I'm gone. But there's only one headline. It's only one. And so if you say, well, Reed, how many campuses are we going to have? I don't know. I, I, we had two, and then three, and then four, and then three, and then four, and then three, and then Eldersburg didn't have a building for a while, so that's like two and a half, and then uh, I, I don't know. That's the wrong question. The, the right number is one. <laughs> We're one church. And it's not about how many places that we meet. It's about how many purposes that we are called to. And that's one. So do you get the name church and why it's so important? Do you get the number <laughs> why it's so important? Okay, then third, uh, I want to make sure that you understand the power and the meaning uh, of the mystery. This word mystery is used twice. Here it is the first time in verse 26. The mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Anybody mystery readers here? Like you read mystery books um, or mystery movies? You like whodunit movies? Some of you. Um, anybody skip to the end of the book when you do a mystery to figure it out? Come on, you're in church. Be, be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, if it is, you're you're going to be glad because I'm not going to make you wait to understand what the, the mystery. We're going to just flip to the end, uh, the next verse. And we get revealed, here's what the mystery is. What's this great mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, oh my word, what does that mean? I feel inadequate um, in the next four minutes to tell you all about what this means. <laughs> We, we could uh, preach for four years on what this means. It was this uh, seismic shift that happened when Jesus came into the world that it was not, uh, the good news was not that God could be with you, but that God was going to be in you. <laughs> seismic shift. I, I, I won't do it justice. I, I feel like the guy who um, discovered Yosemite Valley I forget his name, but um, he was one of the, the famous explorers. And then he developed the park as, as a national park early on. And, and, you know, he was the head park ranger and, and all that. And later on in his life, somebody asked him, if you just had one day to spend in Yosemite, what would you do? 
And his answer was, I would sit down by the river and cry. <laughs> Why? There's too much. I can't pick. I can't just pick. I feel a little bit. I feel like I should sit down on the stage and cry. Because I, I only have, well, now I have two and a half minutes to tell you uh, what Christ in you means. But, but here's the mystery, right? And, and it is so earth-shatteringly um, powerful. For, for ever, people have been asking the question, what's God up to in the world? Still are. And you have to take that answer, whatever your answer is. This is what I believe, how God is involved in the world. And then you have to verify it. Like, okay, that makes sense with what life actually feels like. In other words, if I said to you, you know what God's doing in the world? He wants to take all your pain away and make you filthy rich if you just pray this prayer. How many of you would sign up? Yeah, sign me up. I mean, I'd try it. <laughs> but then you would not be able to validate it. You'd be like, that doesn't work. So people forever have been asking, what's God up to in the world? And the, the short answer is, he's saving it. <laughs> Which is great news that God's not a chucker, he's a saver. Like some of you are chuckers. If something gets a little, you know, worn and, uh, you know, a little um, out of sorts, you just chuck it. You know who you are. I'm a chucker. I'm like, yeah, we'll get another one. Um, some of you are savers. You're like, no, we can rebuild it. We can restore it, right? We can bring it back to its original. Praise God. God is a saver, not a chucker. And God is saving his people. How? Well, one person at a time. <laughs> he, here's what he says. It's gonna, my project is going to involve people. And how do you start such an enormous cleanup project? One little spot. <laughs> Can't clean up the whole thing at once. Clean up one little spot. So he picked a person, Abraham. He said, Abraham, start with you. I know you don't have any kids, but we're going to start with your family. And he said, I'm an odd choice. There's people that have big families, and I have no kids. And so anyway, and he said, now uh, your tribe, now your nation, it, I'm going to use you to bless the rest of the world. So the one was always for the all, but nobody ever gets this right. <laughs> because as soon as we receive blessings from God, this happened for millennia. As soon as we receive God's blessing, we drift towards accumulation instead of distribution. <laughs> we want to keep people out of the circle instead of brought. We want to circle the wagons instead of extending the arms. I don't exactly know why. Um, fear, power, sin. Uh, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons. But, but <laughs> so knowing that, I'm getting to the point. Um, God says, watch this. I'm going to make it foolproof. He, not his words, mine. Um, and he says, I'm not going to have my presence go with some people. I'm going to put it in them. <laughs> and those rascals are going to go everywhere. <laughs> Uncontrollable. <laughs> and they're going to take my very presence and the story of how I've changed their lives everywhere. It'll go out and you'll never be able to stop it. And churches try, don't we? 
We're like, no, 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 come back, come back. <laughs> Do it our way. Come on, come on, you know, let's all huddle up. And God's like, you're never going to do it. <laughs> it's out there now. And it says the hope of glory, the glory of God's saving work, reaching every person is only going to happen because God set up the church this way. The mystery is it's Christ in you. It's not in somewhere randomly in a building. It's in you. Okay, I took more time than I had. Okay. Last one. You see the power of the, the word church, the power of the number one, the power of the mystery that's Christ in you. I got to give you the last one. And I, I wrestled with whether or even to put this on because we could have ended on a high note there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we go out. But this last verse says this. To this end, I strenuously contend. <laughs> which paints a very realistic picture of what this feels like. These two words, if we go to the next slide, the first one is the word for fatigue from hard work. <laughs> Anybody know what fatigue feels like? <laughs> yeah. It's what it's going to feel like, apparently, to be the church. It's me. Oh, my gosh. And the second word, this is a Greek word, <laughs> agonize, which we get our word Agonize. <laughs> Yeah, you're all Greek scholars. It's a struggle. And I just want to shoot straight with you. That's what we are. We are this group of people called to the same purpose. We have one headline. We have this mystery that God indwells us. And then we take that to the world, <laughs> whether you mean to or not. <laughs> the genius of God's plan. And it's hard. It's, um, it's hard work, but it works. But it works slow, and it's the long game, and sometimes we don't get all ramped up about that. But I can't think of another thing on the planet that I'd rather give my life to. I, I just, I can't. And um, that's not because I'm a pastor. Um, if I was an architect or a, a fireman or whatever, th that's an employment. This is a purpose. <laughs> it's why I'm still here taking up space on the planet is so that I could be the church so that we could be the church. Well, I, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to have the band come back up and we're going to sing this last song called in Christ alone, which is just, that's it. In Christ alone, we get to, to do this. But, but, but come back next week. Don't miss next week. Because we've done one name, one life, one church. And the last one is one more. And particularly, one more generation. And, and if there's something I'm passionate about right now, it is making sure that as far as it depends on me, this thing doesn't stop with our generation, with my generation. How much is the faith of the next generation worth? I say it's worth everything. And so come back next week as we get ready to respond together and say, God, lead us. We want to be your church. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for uh, handing off something so important to uh, some people like us 
and, and thinking that that would work and, and making it work because of your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. God, I have to believe that you um, get a kick out of how we try and fail and try again. But Lord, we, um, we don't know what else to give our lives to. This is the most important thing going on on the planet. And so we're glad to be a part of it. Lead us now. Lead our hearts. Speak to our hearts as we proclaim it is in Christ alone that we live. We prayed in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This message was a part of the ministry of Crossroads Community Church. To support Crossroads and make more messages like this available, you can click Give Now in the description below. And to find out more information on all of Crossroads Ministries, go to crossroads140.com. If you enjoyed the message today, don't forget to follow us or subscribe to our channel. And we hope to see you again soon.